This is Yoga Uncorked. Yes. Okay, how are you, girl? I'm great, girl. How are you? Good. I'm sitting here now with my decaf oat latte. I had three poached eggs and some purple sprouted broccoli with tahini sauce and some rye bread for my breakfast, obviously. Chef's kiss. What did you have? Girl, I haven't eaten yet. I knew it. I knew you were going to see you. You haven't eaten yet. Um, my alarm went off at seven this morning and I was like, I'll just snooze here. And then I woke up at nine. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, but just as we're here, I'd love to give a shout out to Danny because um, I love her and she's a teacher of alchemy, but she is very similar to me and will say it as well no bothers that like she's a night owl and I just think to be honest it's really rare I feel in a yoga community to have another person who just stays in bed till whatever time because they just don't function well in the mornings and comes alive at night time it's kind of rare you know so hi Danny I love you and yeah <laughs> And I think it's really funny, like whenever I'm scheduling classes, it's like morning classes, I contact Kira, Victoria or Sarah, and then evening classes, it's like Danny and, um, oh no, Hannah's great for the morning actually as well. Um, and then the evening classes, it's like Danny and Kelly. And it's like, if it's if there's a morning slot needs filling, I don't even ask you guys, do you want to cover it? <laughs> and like you just know it and I know it and Danny knows it and I'm very grateful and I'm sure Danny is too yeah. I used to teach a 7am class um actually in cafe move which I did really really enjoy but I just if I had the choice over again I opt to teach in the evenings I'm just a nicer person mm. <laughs> Actually, I just thought of this now. I know this has been really annoying bringing everything back to yoga, but hey, if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably why you're here. But um, isn't it gorgeous that we all have, through yoga probably and other practices, the self-awareness to be like, that doesn't suit me, you know? Mm -hmm. And this is what Robbie said in the last episode as well, like we were saying, you know, the practice is for you it's your yoga practice obviously it's great to have guidance and teachers and all of these things but like whatever it is to you is what it is to you so that's beautiful isn't it yeah and yeah. I, I just yeah I just feel better in my body in the evening time actually you know because I did I did try to switch it up and even do like I'd have a physical practice outside yoga practice you know I love hit I love uh, strength and conditioning um I just love any way to move really but <clears throat> I did try my physical training again in cafe move um in the 7am class and I just yeah my, I'm just feeling more at home in my body later on in the day you know yeah that's beautiful mm. um by now guys you might have noticed that we're not together <gasps> <gasps> bawling bawling <laughs> So the sound um, might be a little bit funny, but sound might be funny because I'm in a yoga shala or a yoga space. It might be a little bit echoey, but the vibes are good. And I am here and absolutely honored to be down in Dingle with a friend of mine who's expecting her baby very, very soon. And we have created a nest and we are nourishing ourselves with food and laughs and 
lovely practices and we are hiking and walking and sea swimming and um, preparing a beautiful soulful space for baby, a new soul to come into the world, uh, this world. <laughs> and I am honored, to be honest, to be part of it. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of really made me I think coming to any rural part of Ireland, especially West Kerry, it just makes you slow down. It's like you drive over the county border and it's like, it's like actually all these things don't really matter. And actually what's important, let's eat, let's move, let's sleep, let's laugh, let's connect. Um, so I think that's one aspect, but also just like literally preparing for a new soul to come into the world. Like what's more important, do you know? Um, it's so exciting and magical. And I think very few people, if not women, get to experience a birth before they themselves potentially give birth. Um, and from anyone I've spoken to who's been at a birth, you know, the baby is born and the mother is reborn as a mother. And I think anyone else involved is reborn. So it could be a totally different person coming to you in the next episode. <laughs> um, but one thing that's just been so evident here is when you trust your body, magic happens. Oh my God, to see my friend in her full power, it's like the the, that feminine power is so strong, but so soft at the same time. It is, oh, it's, it's inspiring. It's amazing. Um, so hopefully next episode, I'll be reporting back and we'll have news. And our plan is to celebrate the new life coming into the world and for the purpose and the love that they'll bring, as opposed to what weight were they, what gender were they, did you have stitches? <laughs> All this. <laughs> Bull. Um, so, yeah. How is mom doing? Is, do you have any, um, I suppose, inkling into like when the baby is going to get here? I know, obviously, you'll have due dates, but, you know, I mean, it's probably quite rare that a baby arrives bang on their due date. So how is mom doing? And um, do you have any, like feelings I suppose um about when baby will get here is you know yeah. well um in any kind of yogic or holistic practices around birth we try not to use the word due date because no baby comes at this exact time you know um if anything that's a very uh, medicalized approach oh, we want to control everything and we want it to happen on this certain time you know and of course I'm not all bashing medical role in birth it's necessary at times but the mother isn't sick like it's not a medical process it's a natural process that's been happening for thousands and thousands and thousands of years um and so we try and reframe it as um estimated date and that goes roughly on the fact that babies gestate for anything between 38 to 43 weeks. Um, so she herself has a sense that it could be in the next few days. And it's been really interesting. There's been lots of jobs and stuff she was, she's wanted to do and get ticked off her list. And we're nearly done with most of them. And it's almost like a, a surrendering and a letting go and being like, okay, baby, you can come now. I think her words last night were, 
he's grating his head off my cervix. So <laughs> <laughs> he's ready to come he's in. Like, come on, mom, let me out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've never met this lady, but certainly wish her so much. I'm just mm. kissing her and hugging her. Um, and in awe of her, really, I really am. I think what she's doing is beautiful and having you guys, I just, it, I feel I could nearly cry and I've never met her. I haven't even met her, but yeah, I'm in awe of her strength and her grace and her softness. Um, and mm. yeah, I'm really excited for her. Um, so what a legend. Yeah. All beautiful, beautiful and true words, strength and grace. Actually, it's her grace in this has been really inspiring um you know just to be like no thank you that that system you're suggesting isn't for me I'm going to really trust um as well as being like hey here are things that are actually scientifically proven to have a risk that needs extra support and I'm going to choose that if necessary you know um yeah. her faith and trust in her body and her baby are are amazing and I I, my wish for every other parent out there is that they can find something similar, you know, and that doesn't at all mean that this is going to be this like, you know, holistic birth. It may not be, but the runoff to it has been, it's been, it's been gorgeous. So yeah, yeah honored to be part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so beautiful. So yeah, so that's why we're apart. <laughs> it took a, it took a birth of a new human to get us apart. <laughs> so we're um, sitting down on Zoom to each other. Yeah, smiling at each other. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it almost seems um, oh, is the word superfluous to like jump into our topic now, doesn't it? After talking about like a new life coming into the world. <laughs> oh yeah, talk about like. <laughs> Although, actually, how was your week? Uh, my week was great, yeah. Well, it's Tuesday, so, well, last week. Uh, it was good and not so good. I didn't have my care for two weeks, sure. So I was really having to rely on people dropping me everywhere. And there was a lot of having to be dropped to places with, you know, my job in float therapy and my yoga teaching and my gorgeous doggy who requires a lot of um I suppose little old lady appointments for, for her swimming and her arthritis she's she's somewhere every week or two like living her best life so I've had to and she's shedding like a motherfucker as well so like I've had to like use my dad's care ask Dwayne and then she's just like shedding this summer coat um or winter coat so she's making such a mess. But um, I also, I suppose the positive out of um, the experience with no care, and I was saying this to you, Jeannie, is um, I come to realise that I really, really hate asking people for help. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I hate, um, it's, it's this feeling of like, oh, everyone has their own stuff going on. And I just, I find it really hard to ask for help, actually. Um, probably because I'm a very independent person um, and we should ask people for help, you know, or just ask them here, can you give me a lift here? Can, will you help me on this day? So it kind of opened my eyes to that, which has been interesting, but I got my care back the other day. I'm back on my bullshit. 
loving life <laughs> um so everything is wonderful the weather is starting to really pick up here in county Cork. um after a very very wet may like may done mm -hmm. us dirty big time didn't it yeah <laughs> <laughs> stunning now like it's getting stunning so i'm excited because i am solar charged like i'm a summer baby so i'm buzzing buzzing oh. so I, i'm in great form girl that was very long-winded wouldn't be like me um, how was your week? Uh, I've been down here nesting, as I said at the start, and I feel like I'm on a little retreat, to be honest. Um, it's been really lovely. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure we'll do an episode on Dharma, but Dharma is a concept in yoga. It's one of the four aims of life. And um, Dharma means your purpose, or actually it kind of roughly translates to your path why you're in this body on this earth at this time and it's not always like one thing it doesn't mean like you are here to be a yoga teacher it could be that your dharma is to nurture or to cherish or to love or uh, it can evolve and change but your purpose definitely i feel is so important um you know people might have noticed that over lockdown that if you weren't able to do the thing you love to do, your life felt a little bit meh. Um, and it's been a chaotic 16 months really for anyone, I think, but especially as uh, someone whose business is also their passion and their dharma. And by business, I mean like the thing you do for work. So I've definitely felt like this past 16 months has been really turbulent and, you know, there's been huge lessons but there's no denying that it, it was a real challenge at times because I felt like my life was a bit meh because I wasn't able to do the things I love to do both for a passion and a job and so kind of coming down here I've always been connected to birth and babies and um and support and creating space and refuge for people um as well as myself and I just really feel like being here to support this birth and this new mom is, I just feel really content. It's been really beautiful to the point where I was almost going to message the, teach, the alchemy teachers and be like, yeah, I'm not going to come back, lads. Can you run the studio there for me, please? <laughs> um, but also just being so close to nature and Eamon, my dog, hasn't had a collar or a lead for a week. You know, we've just been walking in the fields and on the beach and um I haven't worn a bra and Eamon hasn't worn a collar for a week so <laughs> that's a really real living the dream the two of you living the dream that's a really quick way to sum up um how my week has been but this is a retreat center that I'm in at the moment and it is a retreat and I always say this for my the retreats I run as well it's not a retreat away from life it's actually a retreat back to who you are um and it really, for me, has been this week. It's just given me loads of space and time to kind of come back to being like, ah, yeah, this is what I love to do and this is who I am. And yeah, it's really simple. Good food, fresh air, space and time, move your body, rest well, have a laugh, eat a load of chocolate, hike mountains, swim in the sea. Namaste, motherfuckers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what makes me feel connected you know for someone else it could be hustle and bustle of a city or you know mm. so it's lovely so that's been my week pretty lovely 
sweet nice yeah yeah. and actually another reason why the sound quality mightn't be great the reception isn't hectic here and the wi-fi is patchy which has kind of been a blessing it's like yeah i'll put my 100%. phone on yeah mm. i'm going to carry now next week and um i'm just not turning my phone on i don't think yeah you know i'm just really i just need to be away from my phone laptop just responsibility in general <laughs> yeah uh, so I'm really looking forward to it yeah sexy Carrie huh you deserve it girl <laughs> thanks girl yeah and as much as and I know Robbie touched on this last week as well as much as our phones keep us connected and they were a godsend like in lockdown at times but I definitely find we're connected we're connected by our phones but it's a different like quality of connection do you know it's kind of like a quick message here and there um I find I'm doing that anyway as opposed to hey let's have a really good chat and talk to each other you know um so yeah put the phone away and connect to your boo and have a lovely time in Kitty. can't wait can't wait great um we talk about our topic we will (laughs) we'll get into it as we're here so this week we were going to look at, I even hate, I, I actually like there's a lump in my throat saying it, <laughs> the business of yoga. Dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start, can I just say something? Um, when I was doing my teacher training, one of my teachers, we had like a small part of training on this obviously like the business side of it and uh I just love what she said and she was like today we're gonna this weekend we're gonna discuss like the business of yoga um what did she say it was like um I absolutely don't enjoy talking about this and she said it's not because I think money is dirty it's just because it fucking bores me and I was like <laughs> yes because <laughs> you know sometimes like I don't know, in a yoga community or I don't know, money can be seen as kind of a dirty thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that she kind of said it straight, straight away. She's like, oh, I've no bothers talking about, you know, money and stuff. It's just I find it really boring. Because yeah. funny. It's a topic that actually I'm the opposite. It fascinates me. Um, I get that she it bored her because it's not, you know, it's yeah. And even us saying at the start, like, Ugh, can we even say it? Because should it even be a thing? which we'll get into, but it fascinates me that a system that's so beautiful and non-judgmental and uncommercial and isn't actually a consumer product has become one of the fastest growing biggest industries in the movement world for sure, you know, Um, but in the Western world in general. And it's such a paradox in a way, but it's also reflective of A, the society we live in and B, that um, how much it's needed. You know, uh, no one buy, well, rarely do people buy things they don't want. Um, and why, so why is yoga so popular? People need it, you know? Mm. Mm. But yeah, I don't, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I remember um, I was going to get a, a new van. Um, my car was pretty unreliable. 
and I was going to get a new van and for carrying around all my yoga kit. And I priced a commercial vehicle and I'm probably boring you now already. And it doesn't, you're not really allowed to have seats in the back because that's for carrying people as opposed to whatever it is you carry for work. So anyway, found this van that I really wanted, good price, would have like been better for the environment, newer car, da 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 da. Said I'd check what the insurance would be like before I bought it. And, and anyone who's listening who's a yoga teacher will relate to this. It's never, ever, ever, ever an occupation option in any form I've ever filled out. I've never seen yoga teacher on any form, any option ever, right? <laughs> so filling out the online insurance quote form and wasn't there. So put down teacher, which I feel I am. And um, they rang me back because of something. And they were like, they're asking. Me. Anyway, long story short, I couldn't get commercial insurance. They wouldn't insure me, right? Because yoga teaching isn't a profession, according to them. Oh. They didn't actually say it in those words. And then I rang about four insurance companies and eventually I got one who, would, who, would, who quoted me 1,800 euro, right? Which is astronomical. And I That's said to her on the phone, I said, look, I know this is not your fault and this is an algorithm, but are you telling me that if I was a diesel fitter and I had chainsaws and, you know, cans of diesel and blow torches in the back of the van, you'll insure me. But if I'm filling my van with pillows and love, you're not going to insure me. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, I'm sorry, we can't. And the reason behind it is, right, listen to this. They insure, let's say, 20,000 diesel fishers in Ireland. Okay, I'm making all these up. So can they I just can... say something? Yeah. She was like, honey, pillows and love don't pay the bills. <laughs> <laughs> Blow torches and tools do, honey. <laughs> Go on, what did she say? <laughs> oh, this is actually a really boring part of it. Basically, like, they'll see how many diesel fishers claim against their insurance and they'll up the price or lower the price according to that either no none or so few people have asked for your commercial insurance as a yoga teacher they don't have stats to calculate what kind of risk we're at we are which is maybe indicative of the fact that it's such a new industry in ireland in the west in general excuse me ma'am does it help to let you know that i'm not fatter yeah <laughs> I'm only joking. I love all my Vata girls. If you're heading the clouds, I love you. <laughs> Can you imagine if you're filling in your insurance form and it's like, what's your dosha? What's your I start swear I'm a kappa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's interesting, actually, because I was discussing with you earlier today um, that when I first started teaching yoga, I was still working. Um, I actually worked in retail and I had been talking to this other yoga teacher who was teaching yoga probably um I'd say probably 15 or 20 years like you know quite experienced and uh, I had a clue like I was only if I'd say I probably was actually still doing my teacher training and she yeah I would have been and she was just like look if you're ever um going for loans or you know be it with the bank or credit union or finance on something like just say you're a teacher <laughs> do not tell them you're a yoga teacher and it's so disheartening you know um 
just that I suppose is it is it a thing that like banks and kind of um these financial bodies don't take you seriously like let's just be honest like it's I think it's a disgrace you know um and luckily you know I don't have finance on really anything and I'm currently renting but like when I go for a mortgage it's kind of been like any loan I have had to go to for with my fiance it's like oh we'll just consider him mm-hmm. and his job and his income and while I understand it okay I get it like it's really annoying <laughs> you know I'm mm-hmm. like I work hard I earn okay money like you know take me seriously like you know I'm not flaking off like I feel like sometimes it's seen as that you know I think it's because of two things you're you're self-employed which yeah banks never like and it's such a new industry like and even Mm -hmm. using the word industry it's yoga is so ancient but the industry or the business of yoga is so new and someone said to me recently oh you know about studios in Cork and I was like look there's actually very few studios left with a physical premises like a lot of us lost them in in COVID um, because we were closed pretty much for 15 months and they were like how come all the pubs are still you know there and I was like the pub industry is so big and it's been there for so long that they have the backing and the financial reserves probably to survive whereas I, I, I only know one or two studios in Cork that are over a decade old. So it's such a new, 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 new mm. thing. And if anyone who's listening is in business and for anyone who isn't, realistically, you're three, four years in business before you start to turn a profit. Now, that's not every industry, but you might turn a profit early on, but you know, you're still like the initial setup costs are, are the highest, basically. So unfortunately, it hit the yoga the yoga industry at a really unfortunate time where a a lot of female owned businesses and unfortunately they may not have the financial backing behind them either um a lot of part-time businesses you know it might not be full-time hours um might be a second income in a family and um or or or, or a single sole trader let's say um and so yeah it's it's a it's a tetchy time but on the flip side yoga has never been more accessible because it's online and I think we were talking about this the other day I'd say every class I thought in person in the last two weeks has had someone that when I asked them are they new to yoga they said I've been practicing for a year and a half but this is my first in-person class and yeah, so being able to that last night yeah being able to do it online has opened it up to a lot of people and now suddenly they're able to come back in person so it's a it's a huge time it's a pivot point I would say for the industry I'm going to do air quotes every time I say it um and it's you know really built people's resilience and their their uh what's the word I would say their dedication like you wouldn't stay in like it's it's already a challenge at times to have this as your main income earner um and if if lockdown has done anything, it's made me realize that like it would have been so much easier to not do this, but I've stayed, you know, because mm-hmm. it's what I love to do. It's what I want to do. I genuinely don't feel like there's anything else that would bring me such joy. I'm sure it's going to evolve and change over time, but 
would like it would be way easier in a way for me to go and get a job in Tesco. I'd probably earn more money actually if I was stacking shelves. I don't know why I said Tesco. Maybe Duns. I think I'm more Duns person. <laughs> You're Bishopstown Duns girl. Oh my god, what a compliment! Fancy Duns. So bougie. <laughs> Anyone not from Cork, that's the really posh, fancy guns. Um, it's yeah. stunning altogether. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a really actually exciting and interesting time. Mm. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, there's plenty of benefits, of course, to you know the everything being online. We spoke about it in the last few episodes. Um, but yeah, it is. Um, God, can you sense how uncomfortable I am talking about it? We're so we said we wouldn't even discuss this. We're just going to talk yeah. about it because we were even so reluctant to talk about yeah. it. But I do think it's actually really, really important. Um, I know from friends of mine, like they walk into a yoga class, they look around, they're like, "Oh, there's 18 people here paying 10 or an hour. Oh my God, this teacher's earning 180 quid an hour." No. no, I can tell you now, no. Not at all. <laughs> and so it's seen as this really lucrative industry uh, or business. And it can be if you <laughs> choose to do certain things. Um, and it's not, we're not saying we're all paupers either. But by and large, the people I know doing it don't do it for the, for the bucks. And I no. think you know when a teacher does you know it. It's like any profession. You know when a doctor is being a doctor for the money and you know when a doctor is being a doctor because they love to help people. It's so I would awesome. say, though, there's very... I don't know, do I know any teacher who's doing it for the money? I think you're very fortunate that you maybe unconsciously choose to be around people who, who do it for the yoga. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think on teacher trainings, I'm very exposed to people who are there for... Or I suppose, yeah, I think because I've worked in, in different countries and worked in different studios and stuff like that as well. It's rare, but they're out there. Um, and But they're not in the right business. Like, if you want to make a ton of money. Maybe, like, I don't know, I don't want to speak negatively about it and mm. put restrictions on what people choose to do and how they choose to earn. But like, honey, if you're in a business for the big bucks, like, it ain't yoga teaching. Jesus, if I wanted to make a mint, like, I wouldn't be teaching yoga, like, you know, if that was my purpose was to make money, you know, if that was my dharma, I want to make mm. money, if that was how I um, structured success, you know, making money, it's not yeah. like teaching yoga. <laughs> Again, I think you're actually so, I don't, I don't, I think it's beyond your capacity to think, that someone would do it otherwise you know which is actually really beautiful um but I have seen people who will throw together teacher training and charge people three grand for it and mm. you know so awkward as a studio owner or a teacher trainer if if you just focus on the money you can make a lot of money yeah okay but as the industry is growing and more and more people are learning about yoga and what it really is and as more and more teachers are qualifying the standards have to up and so you're no longer able to advertise teacher training and fill it 
purely because there's no other teacher training out there and mm. um, you might get a couple of students but it's definitely again on at that pivot point I think of 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 change hopefully for the better um and I I often take this approach with everything I do it's like I could get really disgruntled that there I never have issues with yoga I have issues with how yoga is taught or sold right Mm. yoga isn't the problem it's how we're doing it often is and you can either sit there and moan and groan about it or what I try and do is educate my students so hey guys here are the really good practices and standards that I feel I value you know go to someone else's class please but if this is something you value too can you look for that like no one has ever in eight years asked me asked me for my qualifications not one student has ever asked me am I qualified not one student has ever asked me am I insured not one student has ever asked me is there a governing body of yoga education like that's that's where I was going to take a next question actually I wanted to ask you um just with regards to you know people maybe doing lots of different teacher trainings and stuff do you think um that the governing body we currently have for yoga do you think that what would the word be um is it up to standard do you feel and do you think that as you know yoga has become so popular and there's many 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 more teacher trainings and there's so many more yoga teachers qualifying continuously um do you think that things need to be revisited short answer yes um long answer to me yoga is a spiritual practice and teaching is a craft and so to have a governing body of those two things is is totally out of alignment of what those things are Mm -hmm. it's kind of like saying we're going to have a governing body of artists and you have to paint this way like Mm. no so it's a really difficult thing um and I think we'll talk more in the education of yoga episode about the kind of teacher training bit but no one has ever asked me either am I registered with that governing body you know I've never got those questions that you said do you have insurance which I do have all the time yeah um who's your insurance with you know um are you registered with that governing body are you can I see your 200 hour search can I see your yin search yeah nobody um yeah you're right you know it's never ever been asked but now that I think about it, I've never asked a hairdresser that. I've yeah, never asked. It's, it's you know, the innate human. Um, it's it's the ability to trust. Really, it's the it's that lovely part in ourselves. And you were saying like that you admired the part of me that you know can see that people could possibly um, get into yoga for money. I think that's more of me just being quite naive. I'm a very naive person, you know. Um, but yeah, I suppose we don't ask our hairdressers. We don't ask, you know, the girl doing our nails or our waxing or, you know, our brows, all those lovely things that we can get done again. Ooh. I'm not like, girl, before you put a bit of wax there now on me, let me see your cert. 
<laughs> it's just trust. It's our it's our innate human nature, you know. So it's lovely. Yeah. Um, Saying that though, if you went to that waxer or that hairdresser and they did an awful job and you left feeling horrible, would you go back to them? No, but I also wouldn't ask them for their things, you know. True. So what I try and encourage my teachers, uh, sorry, my students and my teachers to do is like go with your gut. Like if you went to that class and you left feeling more anxious and bad about yourself than when you started, it doesn't mean yoga is not for you. It maybe means that teacher or that style or that class isn't for you, you know? Mm. Um, and it's the same. I'm just going to use hairdressers as an example. I feel like everyone can relate to that. If you went into a salon and it was dirty and the music was really loud or the lighting was weird and you know, you might not be hugely aware of it, but you probably wouldn't feel great when you left. And it's the same, a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes in a studio, from my end anyway, and I hope other studios do this, are to make the space so inviting and so beautiful that they don't even notice all these little things that you've done, you know, um, that from, for me anyway, it's not it's not the yoga class doesn't start at end, an end at the start and end time of the yoga class. It starts with social media. It starts with how they're contacted, how easy it is to book in, um, what's communicated to them, how they're left feeling all that way up to the front door, into the class, out of the class and afterwards, you know, that it really um, isn't just a 6 to 7 p.m. slot. It's you know? an experience overall. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, mm. Now it's not, it's uncommon for us to do this, but I feel like we've slightly gone off track. <laughs> Have we? We never we? do that. <laughs> I'd love to know from your end, as you shared in your episode, because you kind of transitioned from like working full time to teaching part time. Did you ever have any concerns or was it a big blockage for you to make yoga an income earner for you, let's say? Um, if I'm totally, totally honest, there are times that I wonder, should there be money made off such a beautiful, traditional, ancient um, practice? Mm-hmm. You know, I do, what, what's the word? Is it monetized? Is that the word? You're monetizing a practice, yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to come out and say that I do question that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still questioning that at times, you know. Um, but, you know, over the, we see, like, when I started practicing yoga 10 years ago, it wasn't that popular. Um, he did speak about how much it's really um, grown and just how you were saying in the last couple of years. So it's something that people seek out and that they get great benefits from. So another side of me is like, you know, people want this. They're more than happy to invest in it. Like, I mean, I take yoga classes all of the time and I always know you know if I'm paying 12 euro anywhere between 12 and 15 euro like for this class I know that I'm going to feel really great after it it's going to have such a positive effect whereas I could have strolled into pennies or 
you know, and throwing down 13 euro on the stuff that you might get in pennies. Oh my God, am I such a bad yogi? Fast fashion, I'm sorry. But you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Like your, your socks and jots, like, so. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, as well, like I'm only, like I'm relatively like a newborn lamb. Like I'm in my third year of teaching. So it's actually hard for me to kind of talk about the business of yoga because I'm just not really in it very long. Um, I would consider myself as a, you know, a sole trader. Like I obviously don't own a studio space. Um, I don't have anybody like underneath me that I have to like manage. Doesn't, that's probably not the right word, right way to say that, but it's only me. Um, what I will say is the day I, the first time I paid my taxes um, online with revenue, I cried from the morning to the very end at night. And it was the talk in your heart crying because I was so overwhelmed with this form filling and it was so, I was so out of depth. Um, I definitely think, um, even if I'm out of pocket having to pay someone to do it for me the next time, I'm gonna pay someone to do it for me. I had great help along the way. I gotta say that like the people in revenue, they nearly hold your hand. I was crying on the phone to them and they were probably like this poor, poor woman, but like they were so, so helpful. They couldn't have been any nicer and more compassionate and more caring and more empathetic, empathetic with me. They were just so beautiful. And um, I had the help of Diane Howley, who gets mentioned in nearly all the apps. Um, she was so amazing. But I definitely think that I will pay the few bob to an accountant and just be like, can you do this, please? <laughs> so the business of yoga, yeah, I um, don't really enjoy that side of it. Um, I'm not typically an industrious person. Like, I don't want to. This isn't me speaking negatively about who I am. This is just me. I, I, acknowledging the kind of person I am I think it's important to acknowledge your the way you are and your habits and I'm not like I'd be industrious in a sense that I teach yoga all day every day you know um and create playlists and create classes and themes but when it comes to sitting down and like opening a fucking spreadsheet <laughs> I'd rather shite in my hands and clap <laughs> Sorry, that's disgusting. I just felt I needed to use something to um, tell you about my distaste for the business side of it. I just get overwhelmed with spreadsheets, figures, not that they're huge like or anything, but yeah, and I'm still learning. Like it's it's still really new to me, like, you know, um, but it's definitely not, I'm in it for the money kind of thing. So much so that I've kept a part-time job. Um, mm. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really lucky as well that I found a job because I was kind of in and out of part-time jobs, just trying to find my groove, I suppose. Um, and I have in Float Cork, you know. Um, to me, even before I started working there, it was a practice of Pratyahara, like, you know, a practice of sensory withdrawal. And that's exactly what it is. It's sensory rest. You know, you're in an environment where all of this external stimulus is taken away. So before I ever started working there, I kind of associated its therapeutic values as very similar to yoga practice. So when the opportunity arose for me to work there part time, 
I was like, yeah, I want to be somewhere where it kind of fits in nicely with my yoga teaching. And it does. And I'm really grateful for it. Um, So I still have a part time job there. I do three days a week. um, And pun totally intended. It's a great bolster, you know, Um, bit of fist bump. (laughs) (laughs) um and I I, I'm happy to hang on to that like obviously you know I'd love to see myself as a full-time yoga teacher in time but you know I'm teaching now uh one two three four classes a week and working there and it's just it's perfect you know I'm really loving it um I also have seen over the last couple of years like yoga teachers who have left um full-time or part-time jobs and felt the need to have to teach like over 10 15 classes a week and like especially if you're teaching something like vinyasa yoga or any kind of yoga like holding space is you know there's a lot of energetic exchange there that I don't think people realize um but then if you're teaching something like vinyasa that's quite physical you'd be fucking wrecked like I don't know how people do it so to preserve my energy and to be a better teacher I think it just suits me to have another part-time job now I did work full-time for a while and teach yoga and I just had no room to breathe and just be Kelly Kelly that's not a yoga teacher Kelly that's not a full-time worker that's really important to me Mm. I'm not a good teacher if I don't have that Kelly time that had Kelly with no labels you know um I need Kelly with no labels at least one or two days a week so I feel I'm at a really good space now of like having a bolster with part-time my bread and butter I suppose and then like having the yoga teaching as well so you know if there's any teachers or soon to be teachers out there that want to kind of discuss that route of still maybe keeping on to part-time work then you know I'm more than happy to talk to you about it and there is a part of me that would love to see me as a full-time yoga teacher someday but for now this is what works you know Mm -hmm. um but the business yoga I'm not sure can I give you a whole lot because I'm a newborn you know yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, thanks for sharing because I, I I imagine the majority of teachers listening are in and around where you are. I think it's it, there's so many new yoga teachers coming up in Ireland anyway, but around the world as well. Um and the glamorization of yoga makes it a, appear to be this like super luxurious bougie out for brunch all of the time loads of space in your day just to hang out and enjoy life and you just teach one class you breeze in you kick your leg in the air namaste rest everyone stealing a living then you, go to, bali. Then you go to bali then you go mm-hmm. to india Mm-hmm. Um, and actually a lot of the time it's, oh my God, do I have enough money to pay the rent? And, you know, and that's not to dissuade people from doing it either. Um, but as it's a new industry, it's going to have to find its, its place as a profession, as opposed to a spiritual practice, um, which is a lovely segue. Boop, boop into something I definitely wanted to talk about, which was like that, can you blend the two? Can you can you make a spiritual practice a profession? And like you were saying, should there be money uh, charged for this thing, you know? Um, and anytime money is involved, there will be greed. And 
there will be uh, maybe not so, oh, what's the word? Not so honest activities, perhaps. Um, but then you could go flip it right to the other side of like, we are educated people. We've invested financial income and time into learning something which we are now sharing and just like you pay for a doctor's time and knowledge and I'm not at all comparing myself to a doctor but like why too should you not pay um maybe a doctor's a bad example because I feel like healthcare is a universal right but maybe let's let's go with let's go back to hairdresser you're paying for their time and skills um, and I do feel like you, there should be a, some sort of exchange for the time and skills of a yoga teacher as well. Um, and I know myself, just like you shared, if I don't have my gene time, if I don't have my space, if I don't eat well, if I don't have a roof over my head, I'm not going to be a good teacher, you know? So I remember someone saying to me before, oh, I just paid 80 quid for a chiropractor for 15 minutes of their time. They get 80 euro, you know, for 15 minutes. And it's like, I remember someone saying, and I really loved their answer. They're like, you're not paying for their time. You're paying for their experience and their knowledge. And I was like, oh, that's it. You know, because why does someone get paid 10, 20 an hour to do something else, you know? And as well, like, you know, training, I, I, I have no idea, but I'd imagine like, to be certified as a, a chiropractor or a physical therapist of any kind of nature it's not cheap and it's the same with a yoga teacher training it's not mm -hmm. cheap like you know it's thousands you know um and I think that's a good thing because then you know that you really want to be there and invest in it you know again it comes down to that exchange you know um so yeah I mean it's it's cost me thousands to be where I am so maybe you know i should maybe that needs to be considered and one thing i learned actually i learned it years before i became a teacher i'd done um my reiki courses and you know like the first kind of a principle i suppose with any human to human kind of um exchanges and this would be doctors it would be you know is the the kind of hippocratic oath of first do no harm you know so there's things that really stuck out to me when i done the reiki um i suppose teacher training would be similar i done all of the stages of reiki um was like first do no harm and second like my own teacher um loretto who's amazing would have always said and it was written on a sheet and it was like um always apply value to the energy you give out or mm -hmm. if you're receiving treatment from someone of any kind value that you know and like <laughs> it's the 21st century you know unfortunately like value i suppose is considered an exchange of money because like it ain't cheap to live honey like you know um the bills have to be paid the rent gotta be paid you know uh so yeah i suppose we do invest so much to be where we are um mm -hmm yeah so. I, yeah I often joke especially on retreats to my students like 
isn't it funny that you're here probably because your job is so stressful that you now have to pay me to de-stress you <laughs> and like I'm not de-stressing you I'm facilitating you de-stressing yourself but yeah. it's like it's almost a silly system that they're paying money to go to a job that maybe they don't like to pay someone else to mind their children to pay for a car to get them to their job to pay for someone to clean their house to iron their clothes never in. exactly so they're paying someone else to live their life basically and then paying me on their holidays to help show them you know how it doesn't have to be and I'm not saying they have to go and give up their job now but that like how they can find these moments of calm in the day or how they can breathe a little better or you know um and it's funny I do laugh sometimes like I get paid to teach people how to breathe and help them be themselves it's kind of ridiculous when you think about it but I also feel so fortunate you know um and I think for anyone listening who's a newish teacher or who's maybe been teaching a while and wonders like, oh, should I give all of this up and just get a, a, a big girl job, as they call it, um, you know, really feel into it. Like, is are you actually getting, is there, is there enough of a reward? Doesn't always have to be financial. Is there enough of a reward for you that the challenges that are faced by a yoga teacher are worth it. I think that goes with anything in life. Um, I think giving yourself permission every moment to change is really important. And I've had so many of those moments over lockdown, like I was saying at the start, like, will I actually just put this to the side and like, I don't know, one run one retreat a year and go and get a nine to five, you know, and every time the answer for me was no, that doesn't make me a better person than the person who says, actually, I'm no longer enjoying the stresses and the challenges that are being faced, which could be financial. I think I'd way prefer to get a part-time job like you're doing or a full-time job and teach one or two classes a week, you know? Yeah. Um, and I know myself, yeah, yeah, as a yoga people that make that decision, like, you know, mm. it's, Mad love to anyone who makes any decision that takes a bit of stress off them and just who is open to that change, you know, and assessing how things are now. So like, and that's the thing I kind of struggled with actually was like, will I be taken seriously if I'm not a full-time yoga teacher? Mm -hmm. And it's so stupid, like, you know, um, in fact, I reckon if I was a full-time yoga teacher stressed about money, making ends meet, I'd probably teach really shit yoga. And like one thing, a segue off this part is like, I suppose being realistic. Now I feel it's different this year because of the last 16 months, but the stress of coming into the summer as a yoga teacher. Can we talk yeah. about that? Because like, like anything, I'd imagine it's the same for PTs. It's the same for gym instructors, any class facilitator where you're indoors. And it's maybe the evening time is your your class. Like people want to be out in the sun, they want to be having their barbecues, you know, maybe their typical Irish bag of cans weather, like you know, they're not <laughs> really going investing in things like this. It's very different from September. It's almost like the academic year tends to really pick up from September to May, but like I'm so grateful. 
I have float over the summer because it's hard, you know, as a yoga teacher in the summertime, it's great because you can be outdoors and, but at the same time, it's Ireland. So it rains a lot. <laughs> you know? So true. Yeah. And the stress, imagine... I know maybe uh, builders and brickies and stuff are the same. If it's raining, you don't yeah. get paid, you know? Yeah. And like it's happened to me now the last two weeks with the Balancholy classes. Like they only started two weeks ago and I had to call them both off. Um, now, I didn't have my care. So if there was any <laughs> that mm. were to be called off because of the weather, it's, it was kind of an ideal situation. And we're so lucky we have the marina market, you know, with the roof. Yeah. But like these are just facts I suppose if you are thinking of that I actually didn't realize when I first became a teacher it was like oh the summertime is going to be more quiet you know really quiet has to really be really considered quiet. you know yeah I think it's it's worth noting you know because we've talked a lot about the challenges um and I think it's really worth noting that there are benefits as well which we'll talk about in a second, but something I really wanted to say was, hmm. Oh, I've totally lost my train of thought. I'll have to edit this bit out. What was I going to say? We were talking about um, summer yoga. It was hard. Hard. Finances. Oh yeah. It's really worth noting that you could do a teacher training. You could invest three grand in your teacher training and you could have told everyone you're doing a yoga teacher training and you might teach one class to your cousins at Christmas. Your money isn't wasted. Your time isn't wasted. You have invested in a year long or maybe a month intensive deep dive into yourself, into a practice that is there for you to use whenever you need it. It's free. It's always there for you. That knowledge, that wisdom is always there. So if there's anyone listening who's been really struggling over lockdown to make ends meet, there's no shame in saying, do you know what? I actually really enjoy working with people and I'm going to get a job in a cafe and I'm going to teach two yoga classes a week. Yeah. Like I want to come to your class if that's what you've done because you've made that decision as a conscious human like it's kind of like you know if the mother looks after herself the children will be looked after it's like if the teacher looks after their needs then they'll teach a beautiful class like you said you know like I don't want to come to the class where Kelly's trying to teach 15 classes a week and hold space for all of those people her face <laughs> I'd be based but you you're so spot on so if you were looking for a sign and you're listening to this now you know maybe this is it and come talk to me maybe we have a slot for you in alchemy you know um there's you know um headhunting but like they're they're the teachers that I want teaching in my studio you know because they're conscious aware humans they're not like everything is fine and and, and the other yoga teachers I know are teaching 12 classes a week so I'm going to teach you how to you know um and actually something just came to mind um if there's spaces in our classes, obviously the alchemy teachers are very welcome and encouraged to attend for free. Um, and, you know, if anything, again, I love 
um, that you guys love yoga so much that you actually want to practice yoga on your days off, you know? Um, and one of the teachers recently said to me, like, you know, the space in that class, but I'm actually going to pay you to come. So she's coming to my class. Right. And I was like, but just come for free. It's fine. You know, you're not taking anyone's spot. It's there. And she's like, I know I will show up with a lot more reverence and dedication if I've paid for this class. So we could sit here now and talk for the next hour about how the system is broken and commercialization is ruining our, our world. But we do live in a world where one of, not, not the only, but one of the main forms of currency is finance, is, is money. And so to me, how people want to deal with that is up to them. And this particular teacher is like, I'm going to pay for this class um, because I will show up. And it was the same over lockdown. I know initially a lot of yoga teachers started teaching online for free. And we as a studio, like I know I sat down with you girls and we had a chat about it as well. And we were like, no, we're going to charge because this is our income and we need this money to survive. And I had a good couple of students reach out and say, thank you for monetizing your classes. Um, and we made them accessible. We offered scholarships. We offered it to people who had lost their jobs. They could come for free. It was a sliding scale donation from zero to whatever amount. Um, and yeah, a, a few students reached out and said, thank you. I actually respect a lot more what you're doing because if you're offering something for free, I don't know, do I value it? So there's such varying sides of the of the spectrum, isn't there, of, of what people value. And I think for me, that's important. And I'd like to say it publicly now as I'll be, I, we'd often say it in our, our posts and stuff. If there's ever anything that we're offering as a studio that you can't afford or that you might like to exchange for something or you might like to do a payment plan or you might like to come for two weeks for free until you get paid, talk to us. We're so happy to work something out and we always do it on a trust basis and on a honesty, integrity basis. And to me, that's really important to make it accessible. Um, obviously we have to cover costs, we have to cover um, outgoings, but yeah. Oh, it's such a complex issue. <laughs> no, I think what you've said there has really um, hit the nail on the head that like, while we value this and we hope you do too, um, if it's something you need, please trust that we can give it to you, you know? And I think um, the, just from chatting to you about this now, it seems kind of evident that the two kind of topics, not topics, but the two feelings for me that's come from this is um, value and trust. Mm. Yeah, lovely. And I just feel these conversations we're having each week and especially with Robbie last week and Kira as well last week. Um, it's almost therapeutic in a sense. There's lots unraveling for me and I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, value, trust, value, trust, you know, and everyone yeah. should value everything and anything they offer, you know. Um, so yeah. and you can tell when someone doesn't, you know. Um, and there was a huge turning point for me. I remember when I moved home to Ireland and like I'd been teaching full time for four years already. And I luckily got um, some support from the enterprise board because I was like, I'm going to 
do this now in Ireland. Like I'm going to uh, make this work because as I said in a previous episode, I came home and I didn't feel like there was a community here I wanted to really be involved in. And I didn't feel like there was a space I was welcomed to. So I was like, I'm going to create that myself. And I got the support, had an amazing business mentor. And even, even that I was like, and it was this beautiful woman, Jackie. Um, I think she's business weaving on Instagram and her I've website. I've heard great things about Jackie. If anyone wants and to check. And not from you, from, yeah, I heard yeah. she's OG, like. So I remember meeting her and even at that, I was like, ugh, a business meeting, you know? And we were chatting and I told her my story. I'm going to try and make this quick. And she was like, forget everything you've just told me. She said, don't think about it shout out what comes to mind when you think of a businessman and I was like power suit drives a BMW sorry guys uh absolutely <laughs> a kid you know blowing people off the road you know driving like a lunatic you know pushing you know rude to waiting staff that kind of thing and she was like okay and what comes to mind when you think of a businesswoman and I was like trying to be a man you know like power suit basically the exact same thing and she was like right and then she pointed at herself and she was like, what do you think I am? And like, she was wearing this really cool shirt, really funky shoes, ripped jeans, you know, lovely jewelry. And then I was like, you're a businesswoman. She's like, yeah. And then she's like, name three business people, you know? And I did. I named Pam from Sobe Browns, who's an amazing hairdresser. In she's Cork. amazing. I met her in Float recently. Yeah. She's an absolute gem. What a beautiful yeah. woman. And then I would know um, Ernest Cantlin, who owns a couple of pubs and restaurants in the city. And I named a few people I know who run businesses. And she was like, how would you describe them? And I was like, oh, my God, you have to meet Pam. She's amazing. She's so lovely. So funny. And I was like, and Ernest is the most generous guy I know. And then she was just nodding and smiling. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, I've had it all wrong, you know. And I think in my head, I had this idea that you had to be a dickhead to be in business and actually when I think back is like all these people I know run these amazing businesses they offer superb like superb services and they don't charge the earth and people are happy to be involved in the exchange of goods and services for money I just and had two like businesswomen now like with their own very successful businesses drop into my head and I'm going to give them a shout out because I just think they're icons Bonnie and Wild Design yes we we stand what for Bonnie. a woman we stand and claire from the canine clinic what oh, a grafter yeah. she's amazing so there mm -hmm. you go like you know both beautiful kind compassionate empathetic hard-working amazing women yeah and you know the, people you you can you can have it all you know um like you said cause no harm you know um and it really shifted my mindset from I was playing really small she was like you have a lot of gifts to give and you're holding yourself back because you think you have to be a bitch to be in business and then I joined Network Cork shout out to Network Cork where I met the most amazing people and I was looking around the room one day. And, you know, networking events can be a bit, ugh. and, you know, of course, with everything, there's going to be a little bit of that. And I was like, oh, my God, look at all these kind, caring, conscious humans running businesses, offering goods and services in exchange for money. It was such a 
total light bulb moment for me. And the other thing Jackie really helped me with is she said, how much have you invested in trainings over the years? And it actually frightened me when I added it all up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Between flights to India and all this kind of stuff. And she was like, how much have you invested in marketing? And I was like, what? (laughs) What's marketing? (laughs) And anyway, long story longer. She was like, it's not clear from what you're putting out there, what it is you offer. And she's like, you're different to what other people are offering and people need to know that. And you're competing in a world where people are overloaded with information. So you need your marketing to be really clear. And I remember being like, but marketing is bad. Marketing is tricking people into giving money for something you don't need. And she was like, no, it's not. I had such a warped idea. She was like, marketing is how you communicate what you offer. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that was a big game changer. It was very much was, okay, obviously a financial investment in something, but it was also, I am now taking this seriously. I'm now not, I used to always say just a yoga teacher. I now say I run a yoga business and I'm a yoga educator and I'm a yoga events curator so fucking bougie stunning (laughs) stunning honey (laughs) but it's like instead of me being like I do retreats and teacher trainings and I teach classes and I did it's like nah clear simple what is it you offer and then it's like that's for me that's not for me um but handing over that money to invest in marketing was like this is how and these this is what Jackie helped me with this is how you take the gifts and the skills you've invested a lot of time and money in learning and share this beautiful practice that you adore with the people who need it. And I was just like, ah, you're not tricking anyone into doing yeah. it, you know? And, and marketing can be that at times, but that's not where I operate from, hopefully. And another huge pivotal point for me was seeing I I I saw a few studios that I felt didn't do the yoga practice justice and in my head to have to be a studio you had to operate like that again you know if you see it you think that's the only way it can be and then the more I traveled and the more I looked into it and the more I was like I don't have to do it the same way they are I, I can do it my way um and I started to be like if business is your number one priority it'll more than likely end up going this route if yoga is your number one priority it'll more than likely go this way and I would say yoga comes before business 80 70 to 80 percent of the time and I'm even a little bit uncomfortable sharing that in my head it should be a hundred percent but all the offerings we offer wouldn't be there if I didn't consider the 20 to 30% business mm-hmm. um, or they wouldn't be in the same form that they're in. Mm-hmm. And so I hope, and I feel like that balance works for me and for my teachers and for students. And there's a brilliant book actually uh, called the business casual yogi. And uh, obviously I'm biased because it's written by my teacher and one of his first students, but it's written by my teacher who is from a long lineage of yogis and has dedicated his life to this practice. 
and he wrote it in conjunction and he and he runs a successful business um in a way it's a it's a yoga business he wrote it in conjunction with one of his first students who has worked all his life in business oh wow and who's also a yogi and he makes a lot of his business decisions using vedic astrology and uh, his doshas and of course <laughs> it's an absolutely beautiful book so the business casual yogi where um, he get it uh, probably most of the book sellers but, try and go okay. independent if you can, but you might be able to get it from akandayoga.com, which okay, is my secret website. Mm. Or I have a copy I'll lend you, but I'll see <laughs> anyone else listening. Um, oh, remember when we had a library in the studio? When we were studio oh. was open, you could have borrowed it from the Again, library. We have another library. Anyway, my point of that was. If we're to drill down to the essence of yoga, it shouldn't be a business. Okay. We could sit here now, we could cry and we could moan, and we could say, let's not share the practice in exchange for money. And that would be beautiful. And if anyone's doing that, I really, really genuinely, honestly respect you. And I mean that. Um, for me, I know right now that I don't think I'd dedicate the amount of time I do to my practice, to my teachings, to my offerings, if I wasn't earning financial money for it, or I couldn't, because I'd maybe be doing another job to earn money. And so I'm always teetering and exploring the balance. But for now, I feel like I found a good-ish balance where we're offering beautiful things, authentic yoga, in exchange for some sort of monetary value, whether you're on a scholarship, a discount, a payment plan, or full pay, if you have the privilege and the luxury of having that income to spare. Namaste. Good night. See you in the next Thanks for coming to my TED talk. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> so there, was, there was some beautiful points there and like you're spot on, you know, um, and maybe it would be beneficial if we could talk a bit more honestly about it, all of us, you know, in community. Mm. Yeah, it's an important part of teacher trainings, actually, um, to be realistic about, about it, you know, um, and to give yourself permission that just because you do a teacher training doesn't mean you have to be a teacher. I really think that's really important. And actually, maybe you'll be a teacher. Maybe you'll teach your children, your family, your community by living your life beautifully because you invested time in learning this practice, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Spot on. You don't have to be standing at the top of a classroom to be a teacher. Ooh, let that be the takeaway message, I think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I would say probably most of the people I done my teacher training with done it just for, you know, their own deepening their own practice, you know? Mm -hmm. And isn't it sad, really? And I, I know we touched on this in one of the episodes, like this is why I started yoga school, which is a, a, a deep dive into yoga, similar to a teacher training without the focus on teaching. Isn't it sad that a lot of people do a teacher training because they can justify the money and the time invested to their maybe peers and maybe even themselves? Because it's like, oh, no, I'm investing in a potential job. Whereas, like, can we not just say, hey, I've decided to invest this time in myself? I'm to myself, yeah. 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 Yeah, I think we're, like, 
tethering on a lot of, I suppose, our human psychology around spending money, you know, we could go on and on about this. It's very interesting, but yeah, it's just like, I'll invest this if there's a return, but really, I mean, it's, it's the same or anything. Like, you know, um, I have decided <laughs> I make this decision every year and never stick by it, but like, I deserve one massage every month. It's something I really love. It helps me physically, energetically, mentally, and emotionally. And like, I've had a little bit of pain in my body the last few weeks. So like, I mean, your body's going to tell you anyway, it's, it will halt you if it has to, you know? So I'm like, what is that barrier with spending and investing in myself once a month, mm. you know? Yeah. There's a barrier there. I don't know, is it... Again, we go on and on and on about this and it kind of runs much deeper than the topic we're talking about, but it's pure Irish thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's probably an Irish thing. It's a bit of a female thing and it's a bit of a um, a generational thing that like yeah. money and time should only be invested in something that gives you a return. Like I saw a post the other day that said, we don't have hobbies anymore. Our hobbies are now a side hustle or a side income or, you know, it's like, can we not just do something because we in love we love doing it, you know? Yeah. Or or else a hobby has become a thing you have to do to switch off from your week. Yeah. You know? So it's probably the same with money. But like even you sharing that now, I loved your language. You said, I deserve a massage every month. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I think like let's say you're in a position where you might need to ask a partner or a parent or a friend to mind your children or to mind your dog or do something. It's like hey, would, could you help me with this so I can go and do this and I'll be a better for, I'll be a better person because of it. I'll be a nicer partner. I'll be a more patient parent. I'll be a more present friend. You know, I think having the awareness around that is really, really important. So that's a, that's a good um, point you've made there. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I think we've been talking for an hour and a half. I think <laughs> we need to wrap it up, I'd say. And I you know what's so funny? We worried that we'd have nothing to talk about. No. I, I we feel like, like there's loads we haven't talked about. So we might do a part two. Yeah. Part yeah. two for show. Yeah. Um, and you know what's funny? I was worried that this episode wouldn't be as funny because we're not together bouncing off each other. But actually, maybe it's perfect in that this episode, this topic didn't it's a bit heavier a bit stickier mm. you know mm-hmm. so maybe needed a bit more talk reflection talk reflection kind of you know for sure the reflection and I just want to say I'm so grateful to be doing yoga on court because I feel like that's exactly what it is it's been a huge reflection like it's kind of like being able to hash things out you know and you're kind of realizing things as you're kind of speaking so mm. even for me who's doing this with you on this episode, I feel like I figured out a whole lot. Great. It's just like taking a yoga class. I often come away from a yoga class being like, ooh, I got way more of that than the students did, I'd say. You know, now I hope they got something too, but yeah, it's beautiful. How lovely is that though? Why can't everyone win? Like, why can't people listening to this email, or this email, this podcast, learn something and enjoy it and make them think as well as us you know beautiful mm-hmm. I think sometimes we have this idea that one person has to suffer for another person to gain nah I'm all about can everyone win 
Nagar. Nagar. So what are our takeaways? Value, trust. It's a pivotal point for the yoga industry. If you're a student, a teacher, a studio owner, you get to play a role in the direction it goes. Um, oh, I'd love to say I, I, my wish for everyone is that, that they put yoga before the business, but ensure that the business is still part of it. What about you? That you deserve a massage? I was just, my takeaway <laughs> that comes into my head is get a massage, girl. Get a massage, yeah. bye. You know, yeah. invest in yourself when you can. I know it's hard sometimes, you know, but there's so many people willing uh, out there that are, as you said, I feel like um, a really great thing that's kind of ha I'm seeing happening over the last year or two is a bartering system, you know. Mm. You have a skill and you can, you know, this massage therapist probably out there who will, take a piece of your art you know or yeah it's, it's I think it's really been a very very creative 16 or 17 months oh for sure yeah oh, invest in yourself that would be invest in yourself take away and yeah. you know that doesn't have to be a yoga class that might be massage it might be an art course it might be um cocktails on a saturday night it might Ooh. be a gorgeous breakfast so in your favorite cafe New um, just having novelties as well i suppose as what i'm learning in counseling too is huge mm. you know like your coffee in the morning you know beautiful make it a ritual novelty a beautiful well actually no it's not a novelty for every day but no maybe it's a novelty as part of your day yeah yeah and speaking of like coffee now girl i think i'm gonna have to bounce and have something to I eat know. i actually <laughs> just noticed the time you're probably starved are you my stomach just went oh. <laughs> <laughs> can i say one more thing you're gonna please please now. Um, I really actually now the more I think about it feel like this topic is broader than the yoga community in a way in that like if you're listening and you're not a yoga teacher or a studio owner or whatever which I feel like the majority of people aren't um, have a look have a look at where you're spending your time and your money are you spending a lot of your time and money on doing things you don't enjoy and is there maybe there's a way to redistribute that yeah. yeah redirect it yeah it could be that you're doing a job and you hate cooking and you're going to pay someone to cook for you amazing it could be the opposite you, you love cooking but you're spending so much time in work you don't have time can you cut back on your hours and cook more just an example i and one more parting thing and this is kind of redirected to, back to you is that when i first met you and i was just I literally just signed on as a sole trader and I was fucking like a little bit lost really. Um, and I always remember you saying when I was talking about the taxes and doing all of that and you just so straight out said, oh, I pay someone to do that because why would I, you know, I'm just, they're going to be better at me. That's one way, that's one investment I will mm -hmm. invest in is someone who's better in that area to do that, you yeah. know? Um, and yeah, it's a real thing of like, no, I, I try and do it myself. Like when mm -hmm. I repainted my sitting room and hall, 
I was like to my dad, I'm going to do it myself. And like, who knows me better than my dad? Like, you know, he's like, <laughs> Kelly, please just no. don't do that. He was like, you'll be so stressed out. Why? And I was like, no, no, I'll do it myself. I'll be grand. And luckily I have two uncle painters. So while I did value them and pay them, of course, they probably were very generous with their time, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you know it doesn't have to be yoga class it can be painting your sitting room like you know do the little investment to just give it to someone else to do like so you can do the things you really like then in that time yeah. and not be stressed because I would have been imagine me trying to paint most of my apartment I can't go the thought of it can you imagine no. how I'd probably be so ratty like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like and the just clutter and everything <laughs> Kamir what are you going to make to eat I'm going to make, um, I have a pita bread, pita bread, Ooh. so I'm going to toast pita, um, I have some, is it called Edam cheese, Edam, yeah. so a bit of Edam cheese, um, I'm going to poach some eggs, I reckon, cherry tomatoes, mm. olives, mm. and I hate saying this now lads, I have an avocado, and I respect, I know, I know, <laughs> cancel me. <laughs> <laughs> I know that the air miles to get the avocado to Ireland is absolutely destroying the environment but if I'm honest I only buy like two avocados I'd say every two or three months it's very very rare um it's a treat and I wouldn't certainly be buying them every week my shopping but I'm gonna make some guac girl it's a novelty it's a novelty yeah I'm gonna smash it up and put some garlic and lemon juice and salt and pepper into it so yeah it's going to be a feast my first meal is usually an absolute feast um and let's not have a hungry podcast the next time <laughs> i'm actually not that hungry it's weird um it's like i have to kickstart my hunger once i eat then i'm ravenous for the day no, yeah okay so we'll probably be cringing till we listen back to this hoping we didn't ruin bastardize the the practice and but i feel like we'll do a part two if stuff comes up yeah yeah um we love you all keep the feedback coming keep the suggestions coming and we'll feed killer the next time (laughs) (laughs) no one wants a hungry killer no Nah, something my boss said to me in Flows recently. No, he was like, nah, girl, you just eat your porridge there and I'll leave the emails. No one wants a hungry Kelly. <laughs> I'm like, I'm glad you understand me. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. <laughs>